0: I'm a dog
1: Hello, Duke fans. Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Shu and Raul. Today, we also have John Watson from the Devil's Den, and we have a special guest uh, with us, Jeff Goodman. So we're really excited he was coming on to talk talk some hoops with us. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably pretty familiar with Jeff by this point. He's been covering the sport for about over two decades now, I believe. Um, he's worked at Fox Sports, been at CBS, been an analyst for ESPN. He's now a basketball insider at Stadium. So really Really happy to have him come on, give us a little bit of a national um, outside perspective on things. But Before we jump into it, I don't want to bear the lead too much. So if you've been following recruiting lately, you'll probably seen yesterday uh, Shire picks up another one, right? We've got TJ Power coming in, Power Forward from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. Uh, Power commits to Duke over North Carolina, Iowa, Virginia, Boston College. Um, kind of seemed like Duke kind of got in there a little bit late, made up some like incredible ground. It's a big class coming in for John again. And, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, before we jump into it with Jeff, I wanted to give kind of John Watson a little bit of opportunity here to talk about, you know, what power brings to Duke um, seems to be a pretty four spacing, big, the three point shots really kind of elevated here recently. Um, so, so, John, what do you think power brings to to Duke and how do you see that class as it's kind of shaped out? Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a really good class. Um, Shire's
2: really um, focusing on versatility and TJ Power does a lot of that. Um, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, you know, uh, John Shire had pretty much his entire recruiting class finished before these kids even started the spring semesters of their junior year. Um, so they could kind of spend the summer targeting different guys, kind of figuring out who's going to work, figure out their current team, who's going to leave, who's going to stay. And they found this this guy as a uh, kind of a combo forward. He was a top 60, top 70 guy. And then he just had an incredible summer. Uh, really tough, really good floor spacer, very nearly a 40% three-point shooter. He's the guy they, they figured um, could complement the guys they already have. He's versatile, which is kind of the theme of this class. Um, so kind of a big get for them. Um, I think it pretty much completes 2023 unless they're going to have some unexpected attrition. Uh, one thing I do want to go back to on your intro, you were introducing Jeff, but I I think the biggest tick on his resume is that he was a contributing writer for TDD back in about 2003. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's make sure we, we hit the high circle. All that money
0: money you paid me, John is, is, is in my 401k right now. It's sitting Mm -hmm.
2: in there, uh, and I'm going to be able to retire early because of it. (laughs) I'm, I'm happy to have helped uh, the man, the myth, the legend, um, but yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have Jeff on. He's the guy who broke the Coach K news back in April. So, you know, big, big uh guest on the pod
1: here. For sure, for sure. And I think Power's a little bit older for his class too, right? He's like a fifth year senior or something like that, yeah. I believe. So he's already, and it seems that, you know, Shire is is kind of it's happened a few times now where he's targeted someone that might have been kind of outside the traditional Duke radar, thinking of a Filipowski. Uh, and then somehow it turns out to bite us, I guess. And maybe it's a good thing or a bad thing. And then these guys just shoot up the rankings for power. It, it All the talk has kind of been of a multi-year approach. Is that what you're seeing, John and Jeff? Or do you think is this a one and done potential candidate? Where do you see him fitting, I guess, like year one at Duke? Jeff, you want to go on that one? Yeah, sure.
0: I I know TJ super well. Um, I've seen him play for the last few years. He's, he's right in my backyard. Uh, Worcester Academy. I, as John said, I grew up covering the prep school. So I've, you know, he's a -A BABC kid. Uh, He's a kid that at one point uh, you thought he was going to play two sports and he might play some baseball at Duke. You know, he's a lefty who throws in the the high eighties or or low nineties, but, He blew up this past summer, and I don't know why it took so long. I I honestly don't, because I saw him a year ago coming out of the pandemic and um, at a NEPSAC event, and he was terrific. And he just fits exactly what basketball has become these days, which is that multidimensional, versatile forward who can do everything. And he might have been as good as anybody at the Peach Jam, like as good as anybody. I don't care if it was McKenzie Whoever DJ Wagner, I, I think he was probably better than all of them. To be honest, at the Peach Gym. he was that good, and he's become a little bit of an alpha dog, which was not his personality. You could see it during the commitment. He's kind <laughs> of a quiet kid, super smart, super likable, but you know, was one of those kids that wanted to make sure his teammates got theirs too. And this past summer, especially at the Peach he was just he was an alpha dog, and he can he was a shot maker but also a guy that can facilitate, make his teammates better. He can get the ball off the glass and go with it. Uh, he could put it on the deck, and he's athletic, and he's tough, and he plays hard, and he plays the right way, high IQ guy. He, he is just, again, I don't know if he's going to be a one and done. I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity. I could see him probably be more of a two and done. Um, and, again, it, it depends. They got a lot of dudes. Like, that's the hardest part of figuring out this Duke roster every year with what Shire's bringing in here is like somebody's going to have to either wait their turn or not have the patience and, and transfer out.
1: Mm. What it, this, I hate kind of making these kind of like white guy to white guy comps, but when I say Kyle Singler and you say TJ Power, how far away are we in terms of just play style, ability to space? You know what the, the difference floor? is?
0: The difference is up here. Kyle was such a nice, laid back dude from portland who <laughs> um you know now I, I just saw him i saw him at k's retirement and talked to him for a little bit and he hasn't changed much i'm like what are you doing he's like i think he said he's like goes around the country you know in like a, a, a camper so i don't know what he's doing but it, <laughs> it didn't surprise. whatever kyle's doing doesn't surprise tj power is more to me of, of, of an mf like mm. he's got it in him um, He's he's a northeast guy. There's just differences between I think how they approach things. But yeah, when you look at them, they are similar. I covered Kyle Singler when he was coming up, and again, like some people thought he was the number one player in the class back then. He -hmm. had it all. Um, They're similar body builds. They're similar athletically. They're similar in their skill level. Um, Kyle just never quite reached his potential, and I think again part of it was. how much he really wanted it. If, if, if that makes sense.
1: Mm. Okay. So similarities a little bit there, but personality wise, maybe, maybe a little Very bit different. different. Um, and, and I guess the, the power gives us a great segue. So recently there's been a little bit of kind of Twitter uh, controversy, I guess, if you could say, or just a little bit of that. Right. So I think TJ um, I think he's the 12th, Commitment for to John since in the last like 15 months or so, right? So that's quite a lot. Um, you had made a post of your rankings on there and got like a lot of kind of different backlash, as expected from different fan bases, right? Everyone thinks they got number one. Um, but I wanted to give you a little bit of of opportunity and a bigger character and a different audience to kind of walk us through that ranking process and from when you wrote it to now, has it changed at all? Or what what goes into that for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I rank Shire as the 10th best uh, recruiter, head coach recruiter in the country, and and he's done a great job, okay? A great job. Like, I'm shocked how well he's done, (laughs) to be honest. I think we all are, right? Mm. Um, These two classes are phenomenal. He's got pretty much who we wanted for the most part. Um, But let's be honest, too. I could throw my daughter, Talia, in there right now as a head coach at Duke, and she's going to get top 100 players. Any one of us. We're going to get top 100 players. He's done better, but he's had K to help him. He's had the Duke brand to help him. He's now got NIL to help him. Um, he's got the culture, all of it. Like, like he's not the best recruiter in the country. He's not. Just because he gets the best class. Listen, do you guys think it would be any different if Jeff Capel were the head coach right now recruiting wise Or... Chris Collins or Steve Wojciechowski or Tommy any they all get similar classes. Maybe Shires is a little better. Uh, it fits a little better. I don't know. or, or But they're all going to get similar classes coming off as long as they're working and they're out, which John works. Okay, he works. He's out there. I see him. He's on the phones. He's young. I love the hire because he can connect with these kids in a much better way than – 70-something year old head coaches right now are Mm. 60 year olds. But let's face it like, put Bill Self up against John Shire with all things being equal. Come on, like, what are we doing here? Leonard Hamilton, the dude is like the greatest recruiter, one of the greatest recruiters of all time. He doesn't have the same resources and advantages that that John Shire has walking into it at Duke. Like Let's be, you can make some arguments. I don't even know who I have it like six through nine ahead of John. You can make some arguments here, but to call him the number one recruiter in the country, just because he's gotten the number one class coming on the heels of K retiring, still having the advantages of having K help them, whether, whether they'll admit it or not. We know when a kid is coming to campus, they're sitting down with coach K and coach sure. K is saying, Hey, here's why you should go here. And the Duke brand is still there. and
1: Yeah, all that, all that. So how do you separate those, I guess? Like, how do you separate the qualifiers of like, okay, you know, Self's at a Blue Blood, John's at a Blue Blood. Like, how do you get into that, I guess? And like, what kind of value and weight do you put on that? And at what point, I guess, does, okay, even despite all of the resources or despite all of this stuff, this guy's clearly, like, like you mentioned Bill Self, right? He is at Kansas. He is at a Blue Blood. He did follow Roy, a Hall of Famer. But at some point, despite all of that, he's clearly proved that, you know, not everybody at Kentucky has been successful, right? Not everybody. So at a certain point, then I guess for you, how do you work through that? Is it just a matter of time or obviously John hasn't done anything on the court yet? So that could drastically change because it's all projection at this point. How do you qualify those things? Sustainability,
0: right? It's sustainability. It's like you said, he hasn't won a game or lost a game. yet. So, you know, what if. They don't do as well as we all think they're going to do this year. Does that hurt him with the next class? Of course it will. Of course it will. Let's be honest. Like, not having coached a game, honestly, in a way, has helped him so far. Mm. Because he's gotten this class. And, yeah, you could try to hammer him. And I'm sure, neg- you know, the people negative recruiting hammering him for not being able. But, but he is in his 30s. And that's, to me, that's a bigger advantage now, not having coached a game. Like, you can't say, well, he can't coach. We don't know that yet. Right. So he was a hell of a player. Um, again, I've known John forever. I, I love him. I think he's done a great job so far. But I'm also realistic. Like, one thing with me always, like, I'm going to be honest with what I think, whether John likes it, whether it, there's no way John Shire thinks he's the best recruiter in the country right now. There's no way. If you asked him and were honest with him, there's no way in hell he would think that he's the best recruiter in the country right now. He he walked into a great situation.
3: So <clears throat> I think the the biggest thing for, for a lot of us more level-headed yeah. um, was that you had him ranked third last year. Yeah. And then he signs yeah. nine five-stars and goes to 10th. Mm-hmm. So are you willing to move him to ninth today? Yeah. <laughs>
0: The only reason I I probably had him third and that was probably too high was because I was including assistants and he was working for Coach K. Sure. So I guess it probably wasn't quite accurate because he wasn't the third best recruiter, but because he was working for K, that made him the third best recruiter. Um, I was trying to do this one a little different and, and it's hard. It's hard to evaluate the best recruiter because again, you could just go by the numbers or you can... I was trying to go by it more of like, okay, if this dude walked into the gym uh, or if he had the same resources as this dude, who would be better? And like Rick Stansbury would crush it. Like, trust me when I say, and people laugh when I say this, but if you, if you did a poll to coaches and you said, all right, who are the five guys that you don't want to see walk in the gym when you're recruiting this guy? that you don't want to see. And if you see him, you're probably going to walk the hell out. Rick Stansbury would be in that top five. Leonard Hamilton would be in that top five. That's part of how you Bill Self, without the NCAA violation, investigation hanging over their head, would be in that top five. Um, that's, again, where you try to look at it a little bit differently. Now, Shire is going to eventually be in that top five, I think. And maybe he's there now for some people. Some coaches would probably put him in there because they would say, like, all right, with the Duke brand, I'm not beating John Shire. I'm not beating him. But they're not scared of John Shire. They're not scared yet of John Shire. They're right? are scared like if, of
3: – If John would have took the mm-hmm. De- DePaul job, right? Yeah, they is, it. Is he getting nine five stars right. in six months? Sure. He's Understandable. Jeff
0: Capel. He's yeah. Jeff Capel at Pittsburgh. Yeah, It's the same thing. To be honest, probably not even as good as Jeff Capel feared-wise. Jeff Capel would be more feared at Pittsburgh than John Shire would be at DePaul. Now, not today because Capel's fighting for his job, but Capel, before they started struggling these last couple of years, was far more feared on the recruiting trail than John Shire was.
3: Yeah, yeah. Jeff got Blake Griffin to Oklahoma.
0: He got some pretty good guys to
3: do. Yeah, Yeah. a lot. 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 So (laughs) did
0: Wojo. So did Shire. I mean, so did Shire as an assistant. So did Chris Collins. They all did. And that's my only point. It's the same thing with Kentucky assistants. The same thing. I don't care who you put there. It doesn't matter right now. They're going to get mostly top 25 players. If they're working and Cal is working, if they're, if they're not going through the motions, if they're going through the motions, yeah, it'll catch up with you. I thought it caught up with Kay years and years ago, right? Before he took the USA basketball thing, I thought the recruiting started to fall off
1: a little bit.
3: Yeah, it did. We we missed on we and we've touched on it. Greg Monroe, Patrick Patterson, some of these big names that we went after yeah. between. I really
1: wanted Kenny Boynton for some reason. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I, like, I just remember randomly. that well. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the ultimate chucker, Kenny Boynton. Yeah. yeah, I think he went to Florida. Ended up, at Florida. yeah, he went to Florida. Yeah, yep. yep. he wouldn't look
0: at me once I passed them at Florida on campus, and because I, I I had said some things that probably weren't the most complimentary. They weren't bad, but just you know, he was a high volume dude. To say the least. Yeah. And, Junior uh, A. Yeah. I passed yeah. them walking and he literally wouldn't even look at me. And I'm like, I felt bad. I
2: <laughs> I've got yeah. a question about the recruiting. Um, Jeff, how how do you rate as far as the entire recipe of a recruiter goes? Because one thing we've seen with Shire is I mean, when he when he got in on Lively, Lively was a top 40 guy. Philipowski was a top 40 guy. Um, you know, even this year, TJ Power was a top 60, 70 guy. Now, granted that could just be our industry just missing the boat and two years of a pandemic. Yeah. But I mean, you know, how much credit or discredit does he get in terms of identifying these guys? Because as following this as closely as I have for however long it's been, one thing I would say about coach K is that he was the closer for the last what decade or so. But I mean, you know, John, Jeff, Chris, Wojo, Um, all those guys, they were on the trail all the time. They would be the ones traveling. Kay would make his appearance at the peach jam and hold court, but you know, those guys were doing the legwork and I guess evaluating and everything else. So how do you see John kind of doing that? Because he hasn't really targeted aside from like McKenzie and one other kid, he didn't really top. He hasn't really like targeted these top kids and then they end up becoming that. So does he get credit for that or? Yeah, because he can evaluate. I I think he knows where the game's
0: going and and has known where the game is headed. So I I think he's recruiting a certain type of guy. And and like you said, you know, listen, the rankings, especially over the last few years, they're bad anyway, a lot of them. And they've been exceptionally poor over the last couple of years because of the pandemic. right? Right. TJ Power, I didn't understand it. And I think I tweeted it right away at the PGM. It's hard for me because I don't see these guys all year. Like some of the recruiting guys do. Um, So when I dive in, in July, like sometimes I'll make these determinations on guys and and be like, I can't believe this dude's not a top 25 player, but I haven't seen everybody. So it's probably not fair with TJ power. I was like, all right, I've seen all these other dudes here. I'll take TJ power over. There's no way you can convince me that there are 25 better players in the country right now than TJ power. In fact, you can make a case that he's a top 10 player if he plays the way he did at the peach champ mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Shire and, and the staff, it's more of a fit. It's more of getting these guys that uh to me fit today's game. Um, the game has changed. We know, like look at Julia Okafor. Like he's the booster right. mm-hmm. child for how the game right. has changed these days. So you you can't have these plotting bigs anymore. Um you, you better have versatile wings. Multiple guards who can initiate offense and make plays off the bounce. And, and they've done that. Like, that's the one thing that, again, being young, being able to adapt. We, we talked about Kay, and he, he he adapted really well for a guy in his 60s and 70s. But he's still not in his 30s. He's still right. not willing to, again, try new things and um, not quite at the level that, that John uh, will,
4: I think.
2: That kind of goes to the other target thing he's doing, which is he's recruiting guys who may not be sure fire one and dones, but there's still that notch right below it because at some point it's not sustainable, either because Coach K in retirement years is off on an island somewhere instead of holding office, you know, holding his office. Um, You know, has that been something you've noticed with with the way Duke's handling things?
0: I, I think honestly, I think it came down to and I think it started a few years ago. With, with a thought process changing of like this one and done thing. Nobody's winning championships that way. So right. what are we doing? I mean, we're watching Villanova win a couple and an older Carolina team and Baylor that's older with transfers. So w- what, what the hell are we doing here? We got to get some, some, you know, consistency and it's hard. It's still going to be hard because a lot of these guys, you don't know if they're one and done, right? Like, TJ Power, you're recruiting him not thinking he's one and done, but what if he he goes out and averages, you know, 15 and eight? That may be enough. That may be enough mm-hmm. that the NBA guys will, will will take him. Um, so yeah, I, I think their whole approach has changed. Obviously, you've got to get high-end talent, but you've got to mix it in. And, you know, I think even this year, uh, with the guys they got, right? Uh Kid from Northwestern, Ryan and and mm-hmm. Randison getting, uh, getting some guys that can, uh, that can make some, you know, basically that can, that can help you in terms of um, experience with those young guys. And I'm, I'm not sure, honestly, I'm not sure they're going to be old enough this year. Like I think everybody has to worry about that, right? You have a first year head coach and a bunch of freshmen and, you know, those two veterans I just mentioned, are probably rotation guys, realistically. Right. Yep. So I, I don't know if this year's team, it's gonna be interesting. Like I, I I wish if I was Shire, and it's hard to turn down top players. You know, you're not gonna turn down, you know, some of these guys, whether it's you know, Whitehead or Mitchell or any of these guys. But I, I wish they had got one more veteran, like a veteran starter that you know, but that's hard to get. That's hard like Carolina did it with Pete Nance. Right, like a frontline veteran starter. That's what I think Duke is missing on this team.
2: And plus, they got Baycott to stay for his like eighth year of eligibility or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Nil. It's a game changer for those big guys. And, and That's the other thing. You get those plotting bigs, you know, uh, or or not as athletic bigs like Baycott, Hunter Dickinson, some of these guys, and you can keep them a whole lot longer now with nil. So you're not keeping. You know, probably Filipowski or Lively. You're not because those guys are potential bigs. Right. They're gone. They're gone. I mean, you know, they're gone. Whether, yeah, whether Filipowski, he could average six points a game this year. Somebody will still take him in the first round. (laughs) You don't think
2: he's going to stick around for a second year?
0: I don't know. I don't know his makeup. I I don't know. So I'm not going to say that. But all I'm saying is like an NBA team is going to have him. Most NBA teams are gonna have him. Probably not even in the first round. Probably in the lottery. No matter what he averages this year, he doesn't,
2: have t- doesn't even have to do anything. Doesn't matter. It's interesting too, because I mean, you know, we mentioned Baycott. I mean, as I'm sure you remember, that kid wanted Duke, and they they turned him down for who was it? Isaiah Burn Stewart and and Vernon uh, Carey. Yep, they wanted Stewart and Carey, and instead of him, and it, it, that kind of stuff stings because you see these guys become old and stay yeah. old and that's that key. might be something it is and it might be something we see with the transition from k to shire because i think after the 2016 olympics k was just like bring me the best right. and we'll figure well, it out yeah because he was yeah.
0: pissed off that cal was getting him no. yeah absolutely like, screw this and, i'm not i'm not letting cal perry own this sport which is what it, it felt like i don't know if God. that was the reality but it certainly felt that way, and and Cal obviously with that PR machine, you know that he had with ESPN or whoever, he, and not that Duke doesn't get plenty of of juice from ESPN too, but Cal was really getting it then, and
3: and he was um, getting it done. What did go yeah. to four Final Fours in the first couple of years, right? right. So, yeah. yeah. been on
1: title games, yeah. Bit of a drought since then, but. And ironically, he's gotten older and hit the drought, which is kind of weird. Well, not he's getting older, but Kentucky's gotten older, and they've like had a little bit less success. It's kind of weird that that's. Well, two years ago, again, you can kind of
0: I throw out a lot of what happened two years ago, right? I, I really do. I just, you know,
3: like that year. Oh, we erased it. Don't worry. Yeah, 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 mean- so, yeah <laughs> We know very well. We do not look. Yeah, at that. so you guys
0: know. I mean, like again, I don't know. Coaches that got fired from that year it pisses me off. Like I just, I felt like that year was just so not apples to apples. It was unfair to judge. Um, And, and, you know, last year was the first year back to, you know, to me, normalcy where you could evaluate coaches and teams.
3: Well, full transparency. I don't think any one of us would disagree. I just don't think that that 21 Duke team was just didn't, didn't have the right pieces. Right. Right. Like Jalen Johnson and Matthew hurt. weren't a good. (laughs) Combo <laughs> together. So um, well, it is what it is. <laughs> Matthew Hurt would have gone
2: to Kansas, right? Had uh, Bill Self not had the NCAA thing. Yep, Done. Would have been done. Yep.
3: Yeah. So uh, Jeff, I know John had mentioned that you broke the uh, the Coach K retirement news. Um, did that surprise you at all when that happened? I know Roy had just, you know, retired on, was like April Fool's Day, right? It wasn't April yeah. 1st when mm-hmm. Roy retired. Um, and then a couple weeks later, Obviously, we get the news uh, that Coach K is going to coach us last year. Um, did Yeah, did that surprise you at at that time or anything? Just the timing.
0: I, I think how late it was in the summer. Like, that. that's the only thing. You, your guard is down at that point, generally. Right. Same thing with Jay Wright, right? This past right, yeah. Year, yeah. Like, like I, that one happened. I was at a Celtics playoff game. And you get the rumors, and you're chasing it. And the thing with the K-1, too, was for me, it was crazy because that morning, and I'm I'm a Boston guy, uh, that morning, Danny Ains had stepped down from the Celtics, which everybody kind of in the know, we knew was going to happen. But the shocker was Brad Stevens moved over from coach to GM. So that had already happened. And then I'm chasing this with, with K. And everybody, I mean, everybody's texting me here in Boston about the, the, the Brad Stevens news and um, so yeah, your, your your intent just isn't up at that time of year for some of these things to happen. Uh, you knew it was going to happen at some point, um, but yeah, it was it was surprising when it when it happened.
3: Do you think the the pandemic season had a lot to do with that? Just yeah. kind of how everything. I mean, obviously, look, Coach K was getting up in age, but you know we we weren't sure when it was going to happen. But I think that that year took a toll on a lot of people.
1: Changed yeah. perspective for sure, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I think the the pandemic year, uh certainly, you know, I think his family probably, you know, like it's time. It's time a little bit. Spend some time with your, you know, more time with your grand. You don't have to chase around these 16 year old kids anymore. And 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 honestly, like I know it's hard for me. You know, John mentioned earlier when when I was covering recruiting and helping you guys even years ago. Um, it was easy for me then to talk to these kids. It's gotten a lot harder as I get older and the kids don't want to talk, right? They want to text. Uh, I've got a, again, a soon to be, she turns 19 on Saturday daughter and uh, it's hard enough to talk to her. So it's hard to connect with some of these kids with the, the age difference for me, I can only imagine what it's like for K. I mean, come on You're, and, and go, go enjoy go enjoy the end of your, your life here right. without having anything that you have to do necessarily every day. Right? Like it's, if you want to compete at the highest level, you got to put in the time and no matter what, again, we say Shire walked into and he did, he walked into a great situation, but if he doesn't work at it, it could fall apart quickly. Just look at Billy Clyde Gillespie at Kentucky, mm. right? Yeah. Like that, that went south quick. Now yeah. again, people would say, well, with Tubby, it started going south a little bit. It it did, but but Clive, man, that 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 was going down fast.
1: As a objective kind of outsider, not really being a, a Duke fan or a K fan or hater or whatever. How did you feel about the way that went? Right. There was a lot of talk the last year of this is just Kay wanting the farewell tour, wanting all the flowers. And then there was the other side of, you know, the succession plan, trying to set Shire up to be successful as objectively on the outside of that. How did you look at that? Should that be like, oh, that's a good model going forward? It clearly looks like it's worked a little bit for John so far off the court. Or did you think that was just some of the flair, some of the glitz, the glamour wanting that? How, How did you look at it from the national side? I had no problem. Like, to me, he,
0: he's earned it. Like, he's earned it. You know, like, go ahead. Like, you want to, to me, you want to, with those greats, when they come in, be able to say goodbye to them, right? At all these places that they've been over the years and know it's their last visit and, and treat them the way that they, they deserve to be treated. So, I actually kind of liked it. And certainly, I liked the, the way it worked out for the program better. Right. I, I, but, you know, like Roy, I guess, didn't want that. Right. Jay, Wright, I think Jay, Wright had just had it. Mm-hmm. I think Jay, Wright Didn't even know until at the end of the year. And then he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Um, you know, I, yeah, I've, I I've zero problem with it um, whatsoever. You know, I, I thought it was great. I know not for you guys, but that I could come out on March 5th, knowing it was his last home game. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have been there otherwise. So to be able to say I was at a historic event like that and go out a few days early. And yeah, I, I mean I, again, the result wasn't what anybody wanted, but I thought that made it even more compelling. I mean, the storyline afterwards for somebody like me, it was a whole lot better that Carolina beat Duke the way they did than if Duke had just won. I, then you were the drama of of Kay. Nah. Getting frustrated, talking after, after you know, wh- I was literally right across from Paulo, sitting on the bench, and the glazed look on his face, it, it was like he had just gone 10 rounds with somebody, mm. um, you know, had been knocked down three times. So, I don't know, I, I kind of like it better. I, I'd rather be able to, to, to see the tributes to the all-time greats.
1: No, Sorry, she didn't mean to cut you. I, I liked it personally growing up a huge, you know, Chipper Jones was my idol as a kid, right? I, loved I love that Jim. final season. Kobe's final season, knowing that, yeah. knowing going in, this is the last game. He knows it, I know it, and I still watch him get 60, right? Yeah. Even if it's a meaningless game, like that stuff is cool. Derek Jeter doing it, right? Rivera, all those guys. Maybe it's a little bit different for a coach, but I just was I curious so. outside of the Listen, in.
0: I don't think so. He's the greatest probably that ever lived doing it. You know, I mean, you can make a case of Wooden, but whatever. I mean, he's one of the greatest that ever lived. Like, I don't know, you earn it. And if you want to do it, do it. If you don't like Roy, like Jay Wright, do it your way.
3: Don't, Yeah. Go ahead, shoot My bad. Yeah, so I was just wondering, um, Jeff, obviously, you know, John Shire was appointed as the the head coach in waiting. Um, you've known John for a for a good while now, right? Like since he was probably a teenager uh, coming up playing and uh, in Chicago or outside of Chicago, North, North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So, um, can you talk a little bit on how surprised you were about John taking the job? I know it's been for years uh, a debate amongst Duke fans. Is it going to be Capel? Is it going to be Dawkins, Collins, Wojo, Hurley? You know, there's a myriad of guys, and uh, we decided to go with the young and proven guy, but um, hopefully it works out. So, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I broke his
0: commitment uh showers. Mm. so that 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 shows my age and i think john will say i'm one of the few people that he actually enjoyed talking to back then um i really did i, I love john um loved the way he played love how cerebral he was he was so easy to talk to back then um you know always felt bad when i you know kind of for a while you're like man like with the whole eye injury felt bad that he didn't have a chance to You know, see where his career could take him from a playing standpoint. Um, So was I shocked? Hell yeah. Like, who wasn't? Who wasn't? (laughs) He was like the last guy on the list. If you wrote up like 10 10 guys two years ago that could have gotten this job, Shire would have been 10th, you know, before Wojo got fired. Right right before Wojo started to, to fall off. Like, we do this every year. Every year you do it. And I would always have Wojo at one, always, because okay. I always felt like K wanted Wojo. Absolutely. If Wojo was in a good spot. I still think Wojo would be the head coach if he had done well at Marquette. He didn't. Chris Collins didn't do well. Capel didn't do well. If Capel had stayed, it would have been very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it would have had to be Capel's job. Don't you guess? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, listen. Um, yeah, I was shocked. I'm happy for John. I think he's going to do a really good job. I do. Um, You know, it'll be interesting because, again, you look at it and Duke won its first ACC regular season title in in how long this past year?
1: We split in – twenty. we shared it in 2010, and this is the first since then, so a decade plus, right? You've won how many national titles in the last 10 years? One.
0: One in the last 10? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting at is if John Shire, for the next 10 years, wins two ACC regular season titles and wins a national title in the next 10 years, and goes to a couple of Final Fours, pretty, pretty good compared to his predecessor, who was the greatest of all time. That's what he did. It's, I guess what I'm saying is, like, yes, the expectations are high because you're at Duke, but let's not expect John Shire to go out there and win the damn national title every other year. Right. That's not fair. That's not what K did over the last ten years when this sport changed. So let's put it in perspective a little bit here. And that if John Shire wins two national titles in the next ten years, that's incredible. If he wins one, that's still pretty damn good and goes to final fours. So um, I'm I'm rooting for Shire. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but but I am going to be objective again when it comes to ranking him, where I rank him, and talking <laughs> to him the way I talk about him and. 's got um he's got big expectations but again I would caution fans that if they get off to a tough start this year like don't be like John Shire's is not the right guy because he's got a young young team and he's going to implement a new system um it's gonna take some time
3: I mean look what happened with Carolina last year you know people right. were you and know, they had veterans all, and we're all here from North Carolina we live amongst billions of Carolina fans. We heard the chatter, you know, yeah. about Hubert. And then, you know, as sad a as March rolls
1: around and, you know, <laughs>
0: well, nothing matters other than, I mean, ultimately, right. Like Carolina yeah. was mediocre for 90% of the year last year. They were a fringe NCAA tournament team. Right. I saw yep. them at Mohegan sun and called them soft. Yeah. And at the end of the year, they turned it on and nobody, nobody cares. Nobody
3: cares about the regular season right. for better or worse. Since you're around a lot of coaches, um, what would you say are some like attributes that you think make a good coach and do you think those whatever that you think makes a good coach kind of applies to John, whether he has this or not?
0: Yeah, I, I think he again, you know, you got to be able to be adaptable. Um, I think that's John's one of John's best traits, right? Like you could put him in a room with again, with a 16 year old kid, TJ Power. You can put him in a room with a school president. Uh, he'll be fine there with an AD, with a schmuck like me, whoever. Um, and and he can adapt. He's he's smart, uh, he works hard. Um, you know, I, I think again, like it'll it'll be interesting to see how he handles. He's pretty even keel. Like that's the other thing with John. Like he's not a super emotional guy. He, he is, but he keeps a lot of it inside. Sure. So I think it'll be it'll be good for especially for a young group. Because if if you're a, a a flammable, emotional, first year young head coach, you're gonna go through some stuff this year. We know that. This team is not gonna come out of the gates and start destroying people. There's no way they're too young for that. So I think Shire's um, you know, personality uh will will. Really serve him well this year, especially because he's going to need he's going to need to stay kind of even keel throughout some of the, the the roller coaster ride that I think his rookie year is
2: going to give him. That's kind of one of the questions I have. I'm sorry, sir. Um He is even keeled in my interactions with him. So who's going to be the voice of whether it's motivation, holding somebody to account? I mean, one thing we all know about Shushetsky yeah. is if you didn't do what he wanted you to do when you wanted it to do it you yeah. got the West Point guy coming out. Yeah. Who do you see, or how do you see John being able to do that? Because, as you said, they are young guys. And for all the changes in the recruit profile over the last 20, 30 years of doing this, sometimes yeah. kids need to have somebody get on them. And how do you see you know, John functioning in that area? Because, like you said, this team is young. And we know, I mean, this schedule is brutal for brutal. the first month. Brutal. Brutal. Like, I mean, stupid,
3: brutal, you know, absolutely. And the coaching staff is young too. I mean, all of them. Yeah. I mean, all of them. No,
0: I listen, it's a fair question, John. It's a fair question. I think the only thing I'll say is it would be harder if a lot of these players, other than Jeremy Roach, were still here and and John had to go from like assistant to head coach with all of them. This is a new group. This is a new group. So it's not like he, you know, I, I've always, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys over the years about that. And when they switch over a seat, they go from like their buddy, like your assistant coach, a lot of time is kind of your buddy, right? Like he's the Especially one Duke
3: good cop, yeah. bad cop, yeah, right? Yeah.
0: K's going to MF you. We know. And <laughs> Shire's going to go in there and, and make sure they, whoever it is, right? Like you're going to be okay. Tatum, like Tatum, his you know, yeah. first part of his freshman year, right. Was not great. Good. We know that. Um, and I'm sure John probably had plenty of conversations with Jason and his mother, Brandy, you know, trying to kind of calm them down at that point. Um, now, yeah, who will have plenty of good cops? I think is Carowell capable of being a a, a, a guy who can jump these kids? I think so. I mean, I don't think Emil is yet. I think Emil's no. going to have to grow into that role, and John he wants to be to though. Yeah, he right. wants to
1: be. I saw him at Kay Academy. He wants to really? be that guy, but I don't <laughs> know he? if he's quite got the, yeah. the pedigree I, I yet stat. to do it. I think Emil's going to be
0: a star. I think Carroll's going to be a head coach soon. Um, I think it's just going to take time for John to figure it out, right? To be, you know, and and I know Kay said he's not going to be around. <laughs> like, I, I, that's going to be interesting too, guys. Like. Like, Jim Calhoun was around a ton when Kevin Ollie took over, but the difference was Calhoun never wanted out. He was forced mm. out because of health, right? Uh, right. Lute Olsen was never around, really, when Sean Miller took over, but it was different. Sean Miller wasn't a Lute Olsen guy. At Neither that was point. the compliance office. Right. right. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, like, do we believe Kay when he says he's never going to be around or no? Well,
2: he's keeping his office there, isn't he? Yes, of course he's not I mean, going to be
3: visible at games, right? Like oh no, he he's not be? No, that's, he's not going to be at the games. That's yeah. what he too small for that. Yeah. He's
0: really not going to go to a game? Like at some point he's not going to go to a game and and really?
2: I mean, I could see him maybe doing it at like a, a Madison Square Garden, of, yeah. you know, somewhere where yeah. he can have a box. I mean, it's it's not yeah. like yeah. I mean, where is he going to hide in Cameron? You've been there. I mean Why does he have to hide? But
0: why I don't understand why he has to hide. Like because he, he's not he's the architect of the program, like he can't show up and support his, his yeah. I and mean, then he can sneak out before, so nobody
2: asks him any questions. But like, I don't think he's. I, I don't know. Like I feel that. like I feel like he should do this. He should show up. Yeah, but I mean where's he? I, I, I get what you're saying, but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I think he, he sit in, up he, next he, to
0: the dude who waves the towel. <laughs>
1: crazy <laughs> towel
2: guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Shout to crazy I, towel guy. I,
2: I I don't know. I
0: I, I guess waving the towel with that dude <laughs> right next to him, I would pay
1: so Dang. much money to see that. Yeah. Too broken. <laughs> yeah, to could wait happen. But he yeah, has absolutely. been adamant about, like, not wanting to be visible like at games for whatever reason. I he don't know why.
0: That. I just don't get why that's such a big deal. Because what? Because everybody's going to run over to him? Like, yes. because people are going
2: to say, what? You've, Supporting yeah, his former player I mean, in his program? But you've been at you've been at the like the peach jam and stuff. When yeah. when Krzyzewski would walk in, there's like it's like the VIP champagne room or something. I mean, nobody's getting over there. I mean, that's what I you mean. They, they, you and you could do that if he went to a game.
0: Let's face it, you right. could easily insulate him so nobody talks to him other than people going up to him. Hey, coach! Like he he could get somewhere if he wanted to to a place on an aisle and get him out of there before the. I just. I don't I don't know. I don't understand it. Again, kind of like you you went back to me uh, and asked me about, you know, having the whole deal where he retired. You know, he had his farewell tour. Like, what is wrong with going to a game where you were the coach for 100 years and supporting your former player in your program? Like he should be allowed to do that.
3: I mean, every game last year for Carolina He's everywhere. Every no, I don't how many, every game too but I don't know how many yeah how much he actually got to watch because I think everybody was no working. he
1: watched
2: like I was at Mohegan Sun watching him he watched he watched the whole game like like he was a fan, fan though I don't know that thatshshesky's a fan I think it's I, I think there's a different difference here I think Roy Williams is a true basketball fan obviously I think yeah. I think was more into the the leadership dynamic building a team, building a machine I think it's yeah. I, yeah, I may be wrong completely. I think he loves the game of basketball. He played it. But I
0: just think like he, think if he fan. wants to do that, I just here's my deal. If he wants to do that, why let anything get in the way of it? That's what I would say. It's like, don't let anybody's perception of Coach K being there. Like, what what does that mean? What who cares?
2: Yeah, because he's there behind the scenes. I mean, let's just be real. Of course he is. He is. You know?
0: You, he's not going to talk to recruits when they come every every big-time recruit? You don't think he met? What? I don't even know the answer to this. I haven't asked TJ this. But you don't think he met with TJ Power when he came on campus?
2: Well, I, I can't speak to that. I know for a fact he helped him. Cl- well, I don't know for a fact. I wasn't in there one-to-one. But the rumor was he definitely helped him close Mark Mitchell, Derek Whitehead, Derek right. Lively. Of course. Um, which he'd be crazy not to. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah.
0: Again, but, I, I remember having a conversation with him years ago he came up to me when I was at ESPN about um, uh, I had said some things on TV about how uh, he had a major advantage coaching USA basketball with the recruiting. And he came up to me and kind of pushed back and we were in Vegas and he said something and kind of denying it that he had an advantage. And I, I, I went up to him and I said like, Mike, like you earned this advantage. Like who you earned it. Like, don't, don't deny it. Like,
3: just lay into it. You earned it. So, I don't know. Well, what's funny about all that, at the start of that, us as fans were kind of upset about it. That's taking his time off the recruiting trail to be in Vegas coaching, you know, NBA players. It worked out the end, obviously. But, uh, you know, at the start of it, not knowing what was going to happen, yeah, um, more Jamal Boykin, more Eric Boateng. I mean, more, <laughs> you know, I mean, that kind of, Come on, or, don't be killing my guy Boateng. Boateng yeah. was England's more finest, Gre- right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> he and you had
2: Greg Paulus and Dave Paulus and all the show that, that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I still love Greg Paulus. There'll be no yeah. no Greg Paulus slander. I love Greg. Did you think he was gonna he he'd be considered? for the Duke job or maybe an assistant role at one point. I mean, I know it didn't end well. No, I, I I just, I still
0: can't get a true answer. I don't understand it. Now, again, obviously he didn't live up to the hype, but I don't understand why he was almost ostracized in some capacity from the Duke exactly. family. I don't get it. I don't get it to this day. Greg Paulus is one of the best people you will ever meet. Ever, ever,
2: ever, ever. Um, I don't understand it. I remember in 2005 being at, I think it was Tournament of Champions in Raleigh. I don't remember if you were there or not, but I think you might have been. I was not. But um, we're sitting on Press Row and we're watching it. And Paulus had brought his Christian Brothers Academy down and they're overmatched completely. And because um, if you looked at that roster, you would go, this is not a high level basketball team. Right, but right. Paulus was, but you know, he was the number one quarterback, number one um, point guard. And I remember listening to somebody talking to Coach K who showed up and they were saying you know, he, he could be Steve Blake. And Krzyzewski goes, no, I see Bobby Hurley. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there going, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. just my opinion, just not not the same at all. But I mean, it's I kind of felt like Paulus, especially when Roberts kind of flaked out a little bit. Um, I felt Paulus just did everything he could to try to feel fill the role that yeah. they needed. And was was that asking too much? I, I think it probably was based on his talent level. But yeah, he didn't have enough around him after his freshman. Right.
0: He didn't have enough around he, him. But no, but, but, I mean, but he wasn't as good as we all thought. Like it no. was a combination. But I just I still was shocked that like Wojo or Collins or Kay or nobody would, you know, because he was he was at Ohio State with Thad. Um, and then Thad, if you remember he uh, he was fired late. And Paulus had to scramble. I think that year, he might have done Louisville that year with David Padgett. And then he went to Niagara mm-hmm. with Beeline's kid. And Beeline's kid got fired. And then he got fortunate. And he's a head coach at Niagara. And uh, I actually saw him last year when I went to Buffalo for, um, uh, for the NCAA tournament. I went by his house. Again, I've known Greg. Like I've known Greg since he was
3: fourteen. I I, I always thought Greg the the offensively was fine. I thought it was the defensive end, but but at that time, and I don't know if you guys remember the ACC guards that he were guarding. That was the Teagues and uh, Ty Lawson. Not yeah, Ty Lawson Rice. Those guys like those were Rice
1: from BC was yeah. Those were some
3: quick guards that I don't know. Who guards those guys
1: anyways? The guy from VT, that one player of the year, despite them being like last in the ACC yeah, or whatever yeah. that was, right? Air Green, maybe. Air, Air Green, yeah. yeah. So, tough. It's a tough deal, right? It's, it's a, you know, but um, I guess just to be, you know, cognizant you do, of your hey, time here. But.
0: You guys should do a, a whole show on Duke dads. At one point. <laughs> no, We
1: talked about that. John has probably got some stories that might not be able to be aired. I'm but sure Chucky yeah. or something. Yeah, oh, I
0: know <laughs> rank them. We can rank John and I could probably have a fun time ranking the top ten uh, Duke Dads
3: of all yeah. time. Are you ranking yeah,
4: but, them on a disagreeability or agreeable?
3: Entertainment value. Okay. 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 There we go. Well Chucky's number one then right? Yeah. Yeah. chucky to
0: yo, I spent the day with Chucky and his family uh for ESPN for like a behind the scenes the day of the NCAA tournament uh, game. This is Okafor's dad for those listening. Yeah, am uh, sorry. Chucky and his whole family are uh they are entertaining. Dave Paulus would make the list for Kenny sure. Kenny Randolph.
3: Uh,
0: yes. Uh, Demarcus
2: Nelson Ron Nelson, he'd make the list. Um, <laughs> I I I I'll tell the story on the podcast because it's 20 years ago. Um I was um I, I was I had covered DeMarcus about as much as anybody had when he was in high school. And um, I used to get weekly phone calls from his dad <laughs> when he was a recruit. Uh, and that was that was the summer when the Lakers were going to hire Kay for the $40 million or whatever it was. And, I mean, I remember getting a phone call at 3 a.m. <laughs> Eastern time. And, I mean, the news had just broke. I think Jeremy Schapp was there doing the whole, you know, negotiation yeah. thing. And he's asking me how the negotiations are going. I'm going, I don't know, Mr. Nelson, you might want to look at look at ESPN because I'm not involved. And then I, I will say, I remember that his second year, maybe his first or second year when he was playing power forward at 6'2", um, a number of phone mm-hmm. calls late at night, just screaming. Um, just And I would constantly say, you know, I, I can't, I, there's nothing I can do other than refer you to the people coaching your son. Um but you know who but he was the
0: number one number one dad might have been Steve King. Taylor's dad. Oh Taylor's yes. dad.
3: Okay. Well he's <laughs> up there.
0: Definitely, definitely a top five dad. Definitely. 100 well,
2: percent I, I mean, we've told the story on the boards a couple of times, but uh Chris Humphrey's dad. Oh, um, Yes. The yes. the year Lual Ding was being recruited. And remember, Luall was the number two recruit behind LeBron James. It was those two people. Yep. And it was it was amazing. And so Chris committed to Duke well before Luall committed. And so I remember getting phone calls and getting emails sent to me with a screenshot or a spreadsheet showing how many stories we had written on Ding compared to Humphreys in the middle of the season. And I'm going, your son committed. He's a five-star kid. He's a McDonald's All-American. We have the number two player in the class here, you know, down between whoever he was between. And I mean, I just, I, I mean, I literally got screamed at for an hour that we weren't, we weren't covering his son enough. Who's so, your favorite, John, who's your favorite uncle? Uncle <laughs> Monty for Lance Thomas? You got <laughs> it. No, yes, absolutely. Oh, nice. Has yeah. to be, has to be Uncle Monty, right? Yeah, that that guy was it was a trip too. It, it could be fun, but to Raul's point, um, if we rank those 10, I, I would have to change my phone number again because oh, yeah, you would. <laughs> we'd get quite a b- bunch of pushback, no matter how we rank them, no matter what the criteria was. Yes,
0: agreed, agreed.
2: But Jeff, one thing I do want to ask you before we get out of here is, you know, you've talked a little bit about it. Um, you know, Duke's gonna be young this year. You know, what do you see as kind of their ceiling? Um You know, the question marks, um, your thoughts on Jeremy Roach, and then the last part of this multi-part question, what was Trevor Keels thinking and why should he have come back? (laughs) (laughs) All right, We'll start there. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, Keels
0: to me, right, you come back, you get your body in better shape. uh, You have a chance to be the the guy, really. I mean, I know there's talent coming in, but you're you're the leader um, and you're probably the top option certainly coming out. Uh, and it's not like they've got these guys. I mean, that's the one thing with this year's group. I think next year's group is going to be probably, I don't know, more more apt to to and he'll have more time too to maybe get a couple more tra- grad transfers to put around them. Um, but I, I look at next year's group maybe more apt to to make a run deeper. I'm just not sure. I the combination again of Shire being in his first year and this group. I, I don't think it's a national title type team. I don't. And, and I'm as big a Derek Lively fan as there is. I, I love the kid. Love him. I think he could be the number, you know, like, you know, I don't know if he's national freshman of the year because I don't feel score enough for that. But, like, what he does on the defensive end, how he can change the game. And, and I like how he and Filipowski can kind of complement one another. Um You know, Roach needs to take a big jump or Proctor needs Mm -hmm. to be really good. And we haven't seen Proctor. We have no idea how good he is. Um, I I like their team. I just don't know, um, again, if they have enough to make a a Final Four or a national title run. To me, I feel like if John Shire gets to the second weekend this year, they're, you know, top 10-ish team all year. 20 team you know somewhere in that range i mean and and they're a second weekend team that's a success sure, and, and i know people probably will push back on me in that and say you're crazy we're duke look at all this talent it's the number one it's the number class one class how you get that
4: every year though Just right but don't you guys classes. feel
0: that way like like am i wrong in thinking that way
4: no because the sport the sport is also older this year it seems like than it has been in the last few years i mean not compared to 10 years ago or something but when you look at uk returning Sheebway and you look at miami adding pack or whatever and you look at unc there's just a lot of experienced teams out there that could be really good that's the biggest obstacle to me is the youth of both the players and the staff nobody right
0: right. no and nobody is one being this young in in a decade nobody and and you've got point guard question marks. Like, this yeah. is a bad combination of questions, right? You're young as a team. Your point guard play is questionable. You're a rookie head coach. Like, that's those three things don't add up to a national title. <laughs> yeah, just we're all don't.
4: kind of hoping that uh, the roach we saw in the tournament is yeah. the real roach for this year. But yeah. that's just, you know, four games or something.
0: To be determined.
4: So, right, right yeah. exactly. Well,
2: but he was, record- he was recruited to be the point guard. And he hasn't been a point guard except for by default when you know he wasn't the point guard until Wendell got hurt, till Trevor got hurt, um, and then he played his way into it. It's just you know those to me were red flags last year. Um, I, I'm hoping he does take the two. But the other thing you've got is, and we keep saying this, but every one of these recruiting class kids this year from the class and next year they miss two years of development. I mean, yeah. So. They're coming in, they're coming into the college game against veterans, and they're probably going into their senior year developmentally of high school. That's a big, big thing. And so, you know, you hope that the summer sessions at Duke has, have done a lot, but they're going to be tested the other early thing I'll know say, that.
0: John, the other thing I'll say is next, you know, everybody's talking about next year's class, right? right. This class that they just finished out with, with McKenzie and Stewart and Caleb and McCain and TJ Power. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, five top 25 guys. What I will say is, and I've said publicly, I think McKenzie, I would rank as the number one player in the country. It's the weakest number one player uh, and the weakest at the top that I've seen it in a long time. And that's no disrespect to McKenzie. I, I, I really like him a lot, but there's no, there's no, like, can't miss NBA superstars well we
3: we kind of said that about this this year's class right like I think Josh had mentioned it in an earlier pod like you look at Lively's numbers they're not what you would normally see for a number one and and the fact that he jumped from he hasn't been the top dog for three years right he went from worked his way up from 50 all the way up to one or whatever but um so you know that's my thing is not all classes are equal um so, and, you he was, know, he was number one by
2: default. I mean, because sure. there are two guys that reclassified and. Yeah, that's sure. right. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, as we start to kind of like pan out just really quickly, um, you know, talk a little bit, I guess, about the the state of college basketball. I know Raul had one question. We can cut that segment a little bit short here just to kind of jump in a little bit to, to ask about like the departures, the portal and, and conference realignment. So, Raul, I'll kind of hand that to you um, to to set us up for that.
4: Yeah. I mean, so you've been covering the sport for two decades and obviously we're in a period of huge transition right now. So I just kind of wanted to ask your general thoughts. Um, It seems like it has kind of hurt the popularity of the sport. Um, If you look at the ratings of the UNC Duke game in the final four this year and you compare that to Duke, Wisconsin in 2015, you know, so let's say the Duke UNC game had happened in 2010 or something. I think that the ratings would have been triple what they were this year. But as it was, they were half of what the Duke-Wisconsin game was. And I think part of that is the kind of continuity or lack thereof because you have new players uh, coming in every year through the transfer portal. You have people leaving. So, yeah, where do you think the sport's at? Um, and, and conference realignment is a part of that too, obviously. A lot of it sucks.
0: A lot of it. I mean, I hate realignment. I hate it. Like, I, the NIL part of it, there's a part of it I like and a part of it I hate, right? Like, it's good. These kids are getting some money. Um getting paid i I also feel like a lot of kids are making decisions on where where to go whether it's coming out of high school and i know they shouldn't be because it's illegal or coming out of the transfer portal based on money rather than what the best spot is for them uh to play um i'm waiting for the day still when when a kid goes you know kid has 25 points after a game. The SID tries to bring him up on the, on the podium after the game. And the kid's like, I'm not going. And I said, what do you mean? Yeah. How much are you paying me? Like, it's going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. this, it's going to happen at some point. It's just, I don't know. It, and I sound like I'm, I'm, I'm old and I am old in some respect, but <laughs> um, like again, like, I don't know if the games change for the better. I just don't, I don't know if I believe that just, you know, you've got these rosters that have completely flipped that the quality of the play is going to suck in Mm. in November and December, because all these teams are just learning who who each other are and you're going to have people focused on, maybe the wrong things, right. Of looking at their phones after the games, you already have it with social media. I mean, that's a mess unto itself and changed the game for a lot of us. And then you add in, all right, did I get a, I just said 30. Did I get an NIL offer? (laughs) Like literally they're going to be looking at their phones wondering, I just had a big game. Did I get a big NIL offer?" Wow. yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, I, I have a hard time with it. And again, I, I, I want to believe it's in a good place. Um, and, and listen, we'll, we'll have to adjust. You've got no choice. Um, but I feel like the NCAA should have gotten ahead of all this and, and not to have a cap or something. I know it's hard to, to put a cap on it, but,
1: um, Or, literally, any parameters or structure or anything would have (laughs) been just the wild (laughs) west, right? Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: it's stupid. Like, think about it if we were all kids and Tennessee offered us eight million dollars out of the portal, or forget that's for football, but let's say basketball. Tennessee offered, let's say, two million, Duke offers a million, a million. Mm -hmm. Where are you going as a kid? You're probably going to Tennessee. That's a million dollars, a million dollars. Like, how do you say no to that? You probably don't, even though it's may not be the best situation for you. So I I just I don't I don't love it. I don't love
2: it in a lot of ways. Um, Raul, to be honest, where it's where it's headed. That's the same argument that we've had on our on our website for years when Duke got into the big one and done thing. Yeah. You know, people were going, well, why would these kids leave? And it's like, you know, if somebody had come to you in your math class, your freshman year, and goes, it, I'm going to pay you $10 million for the next three years to do what you love. You're gone. Yeah. And if, and if you're bad at it, right. I'll pay you $15 to $20 million for the next four or five years. If you're great at it, I'll pay you nine figures. Right. right. I mean, you nobody would go them. to class the next day.
0: Right. You can't, you can't no. blame these kids. You can't blame them for taking the money when there's so much money out there. Now, You know. again, you got some bad... Uh, NIL agents out there that are trying to take advantage of these kids also and charging them a percentage that they shouldn't be charging them. So I just think, again, I blame the NCAA for a lot of this. A lot of it. And uh, and I I don't know where it's headed also in terms of like, and and I'm trying to get ahead of this. And I don't know if you guys saw my tweets a couple months ago, but about the NCAA tournament. Mm
3: -hmm. And
0: I, I think Sankey and this new commission or whatever the hell it is, transformation committee. I've heard from a bunch of people on the division one council that have told me they've been in on these, on these meetings. And they said, we just get a good feel that Sankey wants to push out the little guys from the NCAA tournament and uh, limit them or even push them out completely, but limit them. So they're not, you're
2: not getting the same amount of automatic bid. Do you uh, think eventually the NCAA tournament is going to kind of do what College football is doing and kind of separate itself completely.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, do. It I mean, has I to,
2: right? I don't know how you do it until what
0: is it 2032 or something like that. You can't. Right. I don't. I don't know if you can legally leave. I I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if there's no NCAA, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. But I'm I'm surprised there hasn't been somebody like. But I, but at some point, yeah, I would think like in 2033, would it shock me if Amazon is is airing the NCAA tournament and they've got um, a completely different look to it? I, I just I think it's bad for the sport if you take out the automatic qualifiers. I mean, this is stu- Like Lehigh, Duke, as much as you guys probably hated it. I know, but like <laughs> St. Peter's, Kentucky, you love sure, that You don't one? get yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You don't you have get to that. have that. You have to have that. I don't want to see. It's why I'm bored. The first four, I don't even want to watch it. It's usually, you know, two of the four games are between, you know, Rutgers and, and uh, you know, uh, <laughs>
1: Dayton know. or, you know, yeah. or whoever. Yeah. It's
0: like, <laughs> like you didn't earn your way in. So why are you? You know, Indiana last year, my daughter, do- I got to be careful what I say, because my <laughs> daughter's at Indiana as a freshman this year. But, you know, did they really deserve, you know, they were in the first four. Like, I cared because it was Indiana, and, and my daughter was going. But otherwise, I don't. Like, those teams don't deserve to be in. Like, I would have went back to 64. So, anyway, that it's a long-winded way of saying uh, most of the things that have happened, I'm really not in favor of, and too much happened too quickly. That that's the problem with this. Too much happened too quickly. But the guys like John Shire, he's at a major advantage. He's young. This is all he's gonna know.
4: Right. Yeah. You do you think that had something to do with uh, Kay's retirement, just like having to adapt yet? Won't again? won't admit, yes. you know, the kind of I'm I'm too old for this kind of thing. You yeah, know? Jay Right like he's, he was adaptable, but at a certain point you're oh. like, Oh it damn damn this, yeah.
0: it's different. Roy, Roy would admit it, like he was pissed. When, when guys aren't showing loyalty anymore like his big thing I remember him saying it to me at the combine a few years ago he had so much pride in the fact that nobody had transferred out of Carolina like that was a huge thing to him nobody at that point had transferred at least under his watch maybe um and then it, it all changed right Walker Kessler leaves um other guys are leaving so yeah I think it affected Jay Wright for sure okay listen I, people ask me all the time they're like who's next Look, look for like Tony Bennett. There's one and he's young. He's like my age. Don't be surprised if Tony Bennett's like in a
4: couple of years at 53, 54 years old. Like I'm not dealing with this shit. I'm sure somebody would offer him a front office job in the NBA if he really wanted it. So, Or a coaching job. I mean, again, I think any of these guys now, if if you give him the opportunity,
0: Bill Self, if he gets clear out of this NCAA investigation and an NBA team offers him a job, you know, Spurs after Pop retires, something like that. Most of these guys are going to be like,
4: see ya. And I think that's the way a lot of fans are too uh, right now. I mean, I know a lot of people who used to be diehard college basketball fans, but they uh, shifted to the NBA just because the quality of play is so much higher. I mean, it's always been higher, but you really see it now where Don't you're not seeing like- now in yeah, college, right? product, The biggest yeah.
0: problem that, that these diehard fans have is one- they can't keep up with the roster. You can't get attached to these guys like you could, even recently. I mean, again, not that long ago. And number two, I think a lot of them are like, like you know, when they read about Nigel Pack getting four hundred thousand dollars after his coach just got fired at Kansas State, and he signs a deal for four hundred grand for each of the next two years. And that's really the only one that's got out there publicly for college hoops, right? But I, I think there's a lot of fans that are like, well, like these kids. And and I agree, the freshmen coming in, like, what have they done to earn it? Like, what have they – because they have a, a good ranking because Clark Francis ranked them high? <laughs> and I know Clark's no
3: longer around. so.
1: Well,
3: Yvonne Rinko got a really good deal in rubles, I believe.
1: <laughs> one, one of
3: the things I was curious about with NIL um, – and maybe it's just me being older, but, I've, and we've kind of talked about it. Some of these younger like recruits these days, like being more entitled to stuff. And I think you were kind of hitting on that. Um, Does that like, does that play into like, we've had guys that I don't want to name names, but somebody that just set out to protect draft stock or set out an NCAA tournament game, but for whatever reason, um, does that kind of play into that where these guys are, you know, Hey, I've I'm got my money and I'm going to make a lot more. So I don't need to really do everything you guys say to do and play in all these games.
0: Yeah. I mean, football, we've seen it a lot with football bowl games, but those sure. are yeah. football ball games are super irrelevant for the most part. with tournament's different. I, I think, you know, it depends who you are. Um, yeah. But you could see some players like, they get a great start to their 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 season. Maybe Um, I, I just think again. You're, you're, and it's always been where like there's been whenever there's money, there's going to be people trying to get to these kids. But I think now you got even more. You, I mean, listen, everybody's like, well, they were, they were getting paid anyway before, right? They, you know, everybody's getting paid anyway. That, that that's always the line, right? Not everybody was getting paid, and a lot of the time. The kids never saw the money. That right. was the difference. Is mm. the kids didn't see the money. In a lot of these cases, it might have been a, a hanger on, an AU coach, a mentor, a parent. You know, I remember I interviewed Renardo Sidney, and John knows that name pretty well, and on my pot a few years ago, and uh, and I asked them, I'm like, you know, like you were living in a, you Mississippi kid, you're living in a million dollar mansion in L.A. I'm like, come on. And you he's he's like, no, like my parents I didn't ask, I was sixteen years old, like I didn't know where my parents got the money. I knew they you know they weren't working for it, but like these kids aren't asking now they're getting the money at least, yeah, right. seeing it they know how much is coming in um that that's I guess that's the benefit, maybe now compared to the way it was is the kids are actually getting the money,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeff, I appreciate your time here. You've been really gracious with it. Um, I, I would like at the end though, just a chance to kind of plug some stuff that you've got going on. I know you do the pod the podcast with uh, Robbie Hummel. You also have one with Bob Ryan. I listened to the Jason Tatum one a couple of days ago or a week ago or whatever that was. Um, that one was really good. But could you talk a little bit about the, the almanac that you got going on and that you are about to put out? I know it hasn't dropped yet, but if you could give any kind of tease or, or what's that going to look like?
0: Yeah. Um... It's something as I've gotten older, and I, again, I think because my daughter, uh, for some reason, wants to get into this business, um, <laughs> I, I've I've tried to help out uh, a bunch of young guys uh, coming up in the business and and trying to teach them at least what I hope or think is the right way. And I listen; I have some fun on Twitter. You you guys know that anybody who follows me, I'm gonna have some fun. But you know, at the core of what I do, it's going to be based on information. Um, the almanac is. Uh, written primarily by a lot of these young guys who are so devoted to college basketball. And I've kind of handpicked a lot of these guys, and we're all in a group chat, and they do a great job. And it's a, a three-man weave guys, a heat check guys, Rob Doster, who's not so young, but um, <laughs> runs field to 68. And the Almanac is basically, it's it's going to drop on the 26th. Uh, You can go to my Twitter feed, and you'll see the promotion for it at Goodman Hoops. Um, But basically, it'll be the best preseason publication, period, because we've got the people that are just so passionate about it. And, like, literally right now, we've all written, like, four leagues, and I'm going through and talking to or texting with a coach from every team right now, the 360, to make sure the rosters look accurate. The projected starters are accurate, and that list, the list, the 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 order of the reserves is accurate, and everything. So it's been probably not worth my time <laughs> from a financial standpoint, but um, I think it'll be something that that is the best product out there in terms of something that everybody's going to want to have. We're not we're only doing it um, digitally this year just because we didn't know how many we'd sell and it costs a lot of money to print those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the future, we may,
1: we'll see, but we wanted to give this a shot this first year and see how it goes. For sure. For sure. Definitely looking forward to that. Not looking you know, I apologize already in advance for all of that legwork. That sounds pretty exhausting. Um, Fortunately, you do have a team on it. It sounds like to, to help pull all that stuff together and and get that out there. Um, So looking forward to that. You said it drops on the 26th. 26, 26, 26. Okay, yep. good deal. So we got um, a few more a few more
0: weeks to um, get the pre-sale uh, price, um, and then we'll we'll drop it, and then we're off and running. And really, the season's like we're talking to, I talking to somebody this morning. We're like two weeks away from uh, – two months away from Champions Classic, right? It's About almost two go months. time. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I'm around the corner. But. So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, that, that'll be – that's always fun. It's a little bit later this year. A week later because of voting day, um, but it'll be fun.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. Last one, Jeff. Since yeah. you, I know you said Duke's a little young, who's your Final Four and your champions oh. pick? Oh. Ooh. You, you know, I've I haven't even thought of that. <laughs> that. It seemed like a good uh, segue, though, right? Oh, yeah, great, <laughs> great segue,
0: great segue. Uh, I would say who do I have? Let me look. I mean, Man,
3: Carolina number one. I did look at that. Yeah, and, and I'm like
0: honestly. And that's fine. I it, like
3: the pressure being on them this year. They play with house money last year.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying this because of uh I'm on a duke pod, but I'm not I'm still not completely bought into them. I
2: Again, think they're like UCLA said, for two years ago. That's, yeah, that's
0: like, kinda it how could felt. be. Yeah. Could be. Um, I like Creighton a lot this year. I really okay. do. I like yeah. Creighton a lot. I think he's a hell of a coach. And yeah, um, you know, I'm trying to think of who else. You know, Arkansas is too young for me this year. Um,
3: boy, Gonzaga's got Timmy I, back, right? Yeah, so
0: I could see. By the way, I could see Virginia winning the ACC again. Wow,
3: wow. really? Yep. Yep. Okay,
0: yep. I could, I could. Yeah, I just, just continuity. Think Tony Bennett, you give him some talent now with the you know those transfers he got in last year, first year guys he wasn't used to that. Uh He's got a year under you know with those guys. He's got a fifth year point guard. Uh Reese Speakman probably makes a jump, but that the freshman class is, is pretty good. Um I like Gonzaga again as final four. They got multiple point guards. Uh so they'll have a chance. Uh what Houston about, what about Kentucky?
4: What do you think of them? Mm, I don't yeah.
0: know. You know, like I don't love um I don't love teams right now. Like they got a point guard who can't shoot in and, mm-hmm. and, and severe wheeler. Uh, Isn't that
4: always the case? I feel like with (laughs) them.
0: Yeah. And like as good as Oscar is, you're generally not winning with a big. Right. That again, can't stretch the floor and is limited defensively in what he can do. I mean, Mm -hmm. listen, I I said it to somebody like, is there going to be any more pressure on anybody? Like, can you remember the last time anybody faced will be as tight as John Calipari will be going into the first round game this year?
3: (laughs) He hasn't right? won one in a couple of years, right? Right. Yeah.
0: Didn't make the tournament two years ago yep. and then lose to St. Peters, Peter's last year. And oh, by the way, you lose in the first round this year, they will want you gone. Like that'll be it for Kentucky fans. It'll be like, get him the hell out of here.
3: Mm. Yeah. So definitely a good high seed. You don't want to be playing a sneaky 13 or 14. I
0: want it. I want them to get a two seed. So they play a 15 again. I just think it would be like fascinating, like TV. Like you, that, that game, man, like wherever, wherever Kentucky is, I get to pick where I want to go every year for the most part in the NCAA tournament, wherever Kentucky is,
4: I will be there okay. guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could work in their favor though, as a kind of redemption story almost. Yeah, I mean, I know they pressure, don't have as many man. people returning as Virginia would have had, um, you know, when they lost in the first round, but they still have a fair number of returnees. They do. But
0: yeah. And I was there for that Virginia game against Gardner Webb, And if you remember, they came out
4: slow. What a wild swing. He would have had yeah. to retire in disgrace if that happened, but that he goes on to win the title instead. Yep.
1: Yep. Crazy way it goes. But, uh, yeah, well, Jeff, thanks again for coming yep. on. Um, we really appreciate it, you know, shedding some light on the national side of things and, uh, you know, like again, like he said, you know, y'all look for the Almanac on the 26th. Um, check out the podcast, Robbie and uh, with Robbie Hummel um, and the other one with Bob Ryan. I wouldn't even, didn't even know you were doing that until here recently. A little bit more of a kind of an NBA type kind yeah, of, Bob's an idol, Northeastern Bob, kind of thing. Um, Bob's a, a Boston Globe guy. He's, he's kind of, you know, a guy I looked up
0: to when I was younger. Uh, so for me to be able to do a podcast with Bob Ryan, if you had ever told the younger
1: me that, I would have been like, what the hell? No chance. Yeah. That's really cool. I remember him from like Around the Horn. And so that was like, yeah. religiously, yeah. I would watch PTI yep. and Around the Horn every day coming home from school. Um, so that's always cool to, to, to see that full circle again. Um, again, thanks to John Watson for setting this up and joining us today. You know, check us out on the boards. The Why wasn't John on video, though? That's what I want to know.
3: We don't know yeah. what John Is on the beach? looks like. John,
1: John got home from
2: Cancun <laughs> at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so you don't um, look good. You're uh, saying I never you're tired. look good.
0: I never <laughs> you put on your good. makeup. You you couldn't. Have, yeah. No? You
2: hey, you, you remember in April when we when we had that that fateful chat about the uh, the Shushetsky stuff? I was actually in Cancun when that happened. Really? Uh, yeah. And well, so you I, got I'm in Cancun or something. <laughs> no, no, just the wife had some friends and we we vacationed with them. <laughs> and right. so um that, that yeah, when we had that, I was like sitting there going, "Please go through."
3: <laughs> so, <yes. laughs>
2: <laughs> so no, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, yeah, man.
1: again. It's been fun and and uh anytime you need anything, just uh let me know. Absolutely. appreciate it, Jeff. Absolutely. Um again, you know, you can email us at the devil's Den pod at gmail.com. And uh we're about two months out from the season. So, you know, stick with us and uh keep the faces strong in the verve high. Go do